From the Montana Kaiman, University of Montana's independent student-run newspaper, this is the Kaiman Cast for the week of February 7th. I'm Austin Amistoy. Last year, the Montana legislature passed a series of bills targeting queer people based on their identities. One law now bans transgender women from participating in women's sports, while a second permits discrimination toward LGBTQ people on the basis of religion. But ahead of Valentine's Day, queer people in Missoula say the city remains an inclusive and welcoming place, and that love and friendship within the community remain strong. This week, Kaiman Arts and Culture Editor Clarice Larson leads a roundtable discussion with advocates and activists within UM's queer community about the struggles they faced and their hopes for the future. Hi, I am Clarice Larson, the Arts and Culture Editor at the Kaiman, and we're here today with Noah Durnell. Hello. Uh, Devin Carpenter. Hi, how's it going? And Josh Martelon. Hi there. To talk about queer love and relationships in Missoula um, and in your own lives. So guys, welcome. Thank you for uh, being here with me. All right, let's get a quick introduction of everyone. We've got Noah, who is the current president of UM Student Body Government, ASUM. Noah's currently getting a Bachelor's of Music in Oboe Performance in a minor in nonprofit administration. During his time at UM, he dove into advocacy work in the student government. Um, some of the things he loves to do is to play Mario Kart with his friends and care for his pet goldfish, Zombie. Um, next up, we got Josh. Um, Josh just graduated from UM in December with a degree in psychology and creative writing. Josh came out as bisexual in sixth grade and grew comfortable with being gay in high school. Now Josh works with Youth Homes Montana, a nonprofit helping disadvantaged kids and Radkey Home for Boys. Um, some of the things Josh loves to do is to care for his rats, Micah and HG, sipping wine and whiskey with his friends, or reading a book and writing poetry. He also loves to hike, ski, and sew. Next up, we got Devin. Devin graduated from UM in 2012 and has served as the Director of New Student Success at the university since 2019. During his time at UM, he came out as gay and organized tons of events for LGBTQ rights. Devin also planned entertainment for the Big Sky Pride Parade in 2015. Now, Devin's on the UM Diversity Advisor Council and helped craft the new diversity, equity, and inclusion plan. So I guess I'm just going to dive right in with some questions. You know, this um, story is about, you know, queer love and acceptance in Missoula. And we're just going to kind of talk about our own experiences, if that's all right with you guys. So um, could I, you know, one of you guys want to take the wheel and maybe talk about your coming out experience and um, what it was like for you and maybe if it was easy or not. Um, just, yeah. Because uh, I actually came out <clears throat> the first day I was at the University of Montana officially. And that was kind of my plan all along. I was—I remember being a senior in high school and um, understanding that I wanted to come out, but I did not want to do it in Great Falls where I grew up because it wasn't a great place to be as a gay person. And I spent a lot of time trying to um, like push off this notion that I was gay from a lot of my peers who kept wanting to ask me about it. So it was kind of an escape for me to come to Missoula and I was really happy to be here. My sister was here who was super supportive of me. And um, my freshman roommate, my dorm mate, he, uh, as soon as like his parents left, the first thing he asked, he was like, are you bi? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm gay. And that's how I, that's the first time I came out. It was just completely random. I hadn't even known this person, 
But um, that was super liberating to me. And then I started studying music and just found a really inclusive community there. And I could come out to them as well. And um, I, you know, I never really came out very officially to my my parents or my siblings. It was just kind of more soft. Um, and, you know, I, I started coming out to extended family and those didn't go as well. But, you know, it, it was that was that's so minuscule in the grand scheme of things where I just felt a lot of inclusion and love from my peers at UM. And so I'm really grateful for this community specifically because it is who welcomed me when I when I came out. I can go next, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I um, it's funny. I forget that you're from Great Falls because my family moved to Great Falls the uh, during my senior year of high school in Colorado. Um, and so then when I landed there, I had no friends and was sort of starting at the university um, on my own. I spent my first year living on campus and decided to live on campus again my sophomore year and was randomly paired up with someone who happened to be from Great Falls. And that's actually how and who he was also gay. Um, and so I ended up sort of finally finding my community there. Um, but I found them here on campus, which was kind of a, a weird serendipitous way. Um, and I basically came out to my friends. Um, I remember sitting on the floor in Craig Hall calling my friend from high school to have a conversation with her. Um, and came out to them while I was uh, yeah, a sophomore in college. And I didn't actually come out to my family until they were here for my graduation in 2012. Um, and I convinced my parents to take me to the Redbird without my brothers. Um, <laughs> but then I chickened out all dinner and we were sitting in the car, literally backing out of the parking spot under the Higgins Street Bridge when I was like, stop, <laughs> we got to talk about this now. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. Um, and then I didn't actually come out to my brothers until a whole year after that. And so my kind of process was a lot longer. Um, I don't think it was ever much of a secret. And I honestly don't know why I was so nervous to talk to my family because there were no issues whatsoever. But um, yeah, everyone's journey is different. And so that's kind of how. And then I didn't really kind of come out officially to anyone else in my family. I was kind of like, you know, it is what it is. And I don't yeah. really care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, kind of like you. Well, as you said in the. Uh, my introduction I came out really early I grew up in Colorado and so um, I think I started coming out to my friends and my brother was my first family member that I came out to um, I think it was in like sixth or seventh grade um, and I started out as identifying as bisexual which I later kind of hashed out as just being scared to fully commit to like the whole gay identity and then as I went through middle school and then into high school I really started to kind of come into my own identity and start to kind of build out my personality and realize who I was and so by the time I was in sophomore year I was uh, pretty strong on the gay identity um, and then it's funny because I grew up in a very liberal area in Colorado and mm -hmm. um, everyone was really scared when I was considering to come out to Montana um, knowing how flamboyant I was and everyone just assumed that Montana was this like rough and tumble wild west and like which some parts of it can be um, and it's not always the most accepting place for people in in our community but um, I came out here and I visited with my dad and we were wandering through the food zoo and I had had my doubts about coming out here um, and whether I was going to commit to here or not. And I saw this group of kids sitting in the food zoo. One of them had this bright blue hair. And I was like, okay, it's an accepting place. Like, there are people that can be open and flamboyant and expressive and 
who they want to be, and that's not an issue here. Um, and yeah, that that really res- resonated with me. Uh, yeah, it was really reaffirming to be able to come out here and feel accepted by everyone. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Missoula is kind of the sweet spot of Montana. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm from Minnesota, but when I came out to Missoula, um, I was like, holy shit, this is. Oh, see, here I'm swearing. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this is the greatest place. And I ended up coming out um, as gay here. And it was um, amazing. And I'm very lucky. My Like, all of my siblings are gay. So it's just, a, I've always been, it's always been accepting, but I didn't feel comfortable enough until I got to Missoula. And, um, yeah, I love that. And um, I guess I'm wondering, like, what do you guys make of the idea of the queer community? You know, we talk about that a lot in, like, the queer community in Missoula, like, does that term mean anything to you? And uh, what comes to mind when you guys think of that? Well, I personally love the terminology of the queer community for because for a while I would use that. I can't remember what someone called it, alphabet mafia. Yeah. <laughs> or alphabet soup or whatever, LGBT yeah. community. Um, you know, which I think is great, but I think when you say queer community, it kind of um, implies more homogeny. Um, which is really important for the LGBT community specifically because I think there can be a lot of divisiveness amongst um, sub-demographics within that community. So to identify it as the queer community, it's not really putting any labels on it at all. Um, but as far as the queer community in Missoula, I think it's, um, I don't know, it's like robust and it's also kind of around every corner that you wouldn't expect. Um, yeah. And I don't really find places in Missoula where like, um, where the queer community like congregates to, except for, um, mm-hmm. oh, what is the one place on Imagination? No, Imagination at Western group. Cider. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That one event. Or Gay Terror. Gay Terror, yeah. which is awesome. But other than that, you know, I don't, you don't like go, there's not like a gay bar or, or yeah. like mm-hmm. many like queer identifying places. So people kind of disperse throughout the community. There used to be the drag nights at, um, uh, oh, where were, at the Badlander. They've been in lots uh, of places over yeah, the years. It, it has kind of <laughs> bopped around. <laughs> You were, you were pretty influential in that. I was reading in your bio, right? Yeah, so I mean, the, the queer community to me is, is an interesting concept because I see a lot of disconnect between students and then the community in town and sort of older people. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there isn't a place for people to congregate of all ages. You know, 18 plus events are hard to do. They used to be easier in downtown Missoula, but even when, um, even for the drag nights that are still happening now with the ISCSM, it's always, you know, getting kind of kicked around to venues and things. And so, I mean, when I first came out, I got swept up in the drag community like many people do. The lovely mothers and aunties <laughs> of the drag queens can yes. be. But yeah. we were driving all the way out to Dino's Casino by the airport to, wow. to have drag shows. Um, and, you know, they've kind of bopped around. There was the Jolly Corks underneath where the Elks Lodge is. There has been shows at Monk's which used to be Ambets, which used to be kind of the gay place in town. And so it's certainly um, interesting to see how the things kind of move around in town. But uh, I think what you're referring to in my bio, though, is <clears throat> that when I was sort of frustrated that there wasn't a place for people to gather. Um, and so me, a friend of mine and I, Carly Tiger Lily, um, who's a DJ that lives near outside of Bozeman now, 
Uh, we started something called Queer Party, um, and we're working with the Palace Lounge, which also no longer exists underneath the Badlander. Um, and we were throwing a, a queer party night once a month for two whole years. Um, and even when I was doing that, it was almost impossible to get them to be 18 plus because I didn't want there to be a cover charge because I wanted it to be free for everyone. And I certainly wasn't making any money um, uh, when whatever we made went straight to the performers. Um, but yeah, I mean, that also came to an end because we were running out of venue places uh, that we were able to do it. Wow. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like it's not always easy, you know, to be out and queer and enjoy being in the public sometimes and um sometimes like really bad things can happen to you when you're queer you know i've had a handful of times where i'm like man that just really sucked you know being called slurs or whatever and like have you guys faced those issues in missoula or just in your life and like how do you like come to terms with the fact that there's going to be people out there that just don't understand you know what who we are and why we are the way we are well, I think every place I've gone, you know, even though I'll say Missoula is an extremely inclusive community, um, it's I've still felt, for lack of a better word, like hate crime here, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially with people using slurs, the F word, especially, and it's, it's almost always um, men, um, presumably straight men. Um, yeah, I mean, there was one instance where I was interning with the Missoula Downtown Association, and I was walking from Stockman Bank back over to there because we were setting up an event. And this one guy would just not leave me alone. I did not give off any indication that I was um, like queer. I was just walking down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, today I'm wearing heels, but I wasn't, I was wearing like tennis shoes or whatever and a winter coat. Mm-hmm. Would not stop like um, following me and um, saying slurs and I was trying to kind of tune it out. I ended up running into like the FedEx and hiding behind the counter and they just hit me wow. for a second. Cause I got really pretty scared from that situation. And I, and you know, I went down to, uh, San, San San Diego, the, just over Halloween, which is an even more inclusive community. Um, and it got call, called the same thing in a bar just for complimenting a woman because I thought she looked amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, he took a so offense, he took such offense to it and started doing that. So I don't know, you just can't escape it. But also, you know, it's like these things happen. And um, I, I, I think I spent a lot of time kind of feeling sorry for myself years ago and um, letting that like influence my own security about myself and kind of being down on my own identity. But today I, I kind of laugh it off because I've been able to find a lot of love for myself and I have way too much respect for myself to allow that to uh, to have any negative effect on me anymore. So, yeah, I've almost been beat up in Missoula um, wow. behind the Badlander. Actually, I'll never forget this. It was probably one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. Um, but it was during Maggot Fest, which is a, a big rugby festival that happens. And it brings in a lot of people from out of town. So I've sort of convinced myself that these people probably weren't from Missoula. Um, But I also don't want us to get stuck in this whole idea that Missoula is always safe because it is not. (laughs) Um, And I think oftentimes people think, you know, oh, it's super accepting and liberal, which it is. But because of that, there's more chances for people to kind of... um, you know, go against that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because people are out and proud, there's more opportunity for you to, for things to happen to you. And I remember I was wearing, I still have it, the, um, I have a lot of windbreakers. I have an entire closet full of windbreakers actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was certainly flamboyant. I was just standing behind the Badlander with my friends while they were smoking cigarettes. And these guys walked by and yelled something at me. And I'm positive I yelled something back at them um, because that's just the way that I am. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know what it was, but then, 
all of a sudden there was like 10 large rugby men who had circled me and were asking me to apologize to them. Um, and that was never going to happen. And so I basically was standing there refusing to apologize. And all of my friends were there, thank goodness. Um, then sort of trying to encourage me to apologize and just sort of let it go. Um, but in that moment, I sort of made the decision that I would rather get beat up in the alleyway than apologize to them for something that they had said to me. Um, mm-hmm. And thankfully, they ended up leaving. Um, but like, I'm actually even kind of shaking right now <laughs> because yeah. it was like so yeah. intense. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I'll never forget that. And I, of course, you know, still go out and do all kinds of things. But that is sort of always in the back of my mind that something like that could happen again. Yeah, I personally haven't really had any instances of really being hate crimed or slurred in any way here in Missoula. But in our community, I have interacted with a number of people, especially um, a number of my friends that are trans female that regularly get harassed on the street. Um, The university is a pretty safe kind of microcosm um, more often than not. And so I think that's part of the reason that I had such a kind of privileged time here. I guess what advice would you guys give anyone, but you know, especially students and young people who are exploring their sexuality and gender identity and they might be nervous or scared. Um, Do you have anything to say to them? Do you all know on RuPaul's Drag Race when they bring out the like pictures of the old, the drag queens when they were babies. Like, <laughs> oh, yes. What would you say? <laughs> and so I, I always think about that. But um, yeah, I mean, in a lot of respects, I mean, I wish I could go back to like myself when I was younger and be like, stop questioning it so much. Like, stop worrying about what other people think. You're going to be so much like happier if you kind of just um, like j- just be yourself and like yeah. allow other people to either love you or hate you for it. And um you know, for the haters, don't give them an ounce of your time. And for the lovers, keep them close. Yeah, I think people talk in the queer community and lots of other sort of historically underrepresented groups talk about your chosen family a lot. And I think that's super important. You know, um, you may or may not have a really good relationship with your family or people who support you in that corner. And if you do, that's awesome. But if you don't, you can find that in so many places, especially on our campus here. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I would recommend is just to talk to people. Um, I think a lot of times in our community, it can be a really isolating experience, especially if you're growing up in a place where there isn't a huge queer representation. And so just being able to reach out and just hear someone else's experience, I think is really powerful in both destigmatizing a lot of what we think of as like the coming out experience, as well as just being comfortable enough to have that space. And like you were saying, we don't always have the family and everything to feel super comfortable coming out um, or really even exploring that part of ourselves when we're young um, and just having positive influences in our lives. Um, I know one of my professors um, was just very openly gay and uh, was really just inspiring for me to kind of endeavor upon my own identity. So just having those kind of positive role models is so important um, and feeling like you're not the only one because you're not. Um, So I guess my last question is, you know, um, 
what is there anything you would say to people in the queer community or people just anyone in general that like are kind of like loathing the thought of Valentine's Day? I know for such a long time I was like, oh, I hate this day. It's like the worst day ever. Like, why does it even exist? Is there anything you'd say to um, people that might be alone or just like feeling down for the holiday? It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll be the grandpa curmudgeon and say that it just like it it's made up. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you should not put really any thought into it unless you want to. Mm-hmm. And even people who have partners or are in relationships, like it only matters if you say that it does. My mom used to do this thing when me and my brother were little and on Valentine's Day she would give us gifts because Valentine's Day doesn't necessarily need to be about romantic love. It's a it's a day for us to kind of just celebrate love in general and embrace it and so Valentine's Day is just a way or an opportunity to kind of express all that love whether that be platonic or familial or romantic or whatever it might be. Just kind of take the opportunity to love yourself and love your neighbor and love whoever might be around you because a lot of times we don't necessarily have those opportunities to spread love and to like embrace it in a way that is not seen as like quote unquote weak unfortunately. I had such a good time talking with you guys. It's been such a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having Thanks. Us on. Stay tuned for a second look at how UM's queer community overcame the pandemic and brought back live events, releasing on Monday. You can read Clarice's full story on queer love in Missoula in our paper, out on newsstands and on montanakaiman.com, now. The Kaiman Cast is produced and edited by me, Austin Amistoy. Special thanks to Clarice Larson, Noah Durnell, Devin Carpenter, and Josh Martelin. That's it for this week's episode. Next time, a special look at three Made in Montana films debuting at the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. I'll see you there.